and welcome to Inspiring Women Leaders, the podcast about leadership by women only, from which everyone can learn. Inspiring Women Leaders aims to showcase the extensive leadership knowledge and practical skills of its incredible guests, and to both inspire and educate its listeners, helping them acquire the know-how necessary to become better leaders themselves. Without further ado, I'd now like to welcome my guest. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Today, I'm really excited to welcome to the show my friend and fellow physician coach, Dr. Dawn Sears. Dawn is an incredible person. She is a superb leader, advocate for fellow female physicians, and she's great fun too as exemplified by the fact that she agreed to me using the words she wrote on her recent Facebook post, which I absolutely loved. So I'll read them out now by way of introduction to Dawn, just so you can see how amazing and what great fun she is. So um, I'm not sure if I'll do this justice, but <clears throat> here we go. T minus 10 days to the big five-o. Crazy. Lots of people fear this birthday. Not me. I'm filled with anxious anticipation. I've been blessed with an incredible first half century of my life, grew three beautiful babies, led so many of my colleagues to have the careers of their dreams, trained countless medical students, residents and fellows, cured hundreds of patients from hepatitis, prevented hundreds of colon cancers, empowered hundreds to take control of their health and symptoms, led six women in medicine conferences, touching over 350 of my most high risk for burnout colleagues. I've developed deep relationships with so many people around the country and planet through coaching. Recently been promoted to professor. Congratulations. Have amazingly, (laughs) have amazingly fulfilling relationships with authentic and imperfect humans and continue to lead wellbeing efforts and programs locally, nationally and internationally. Pinch me. My life Mm -hmm. has been far from perfect and the final chapters are not written. Mm -hmm. Join me in celebrating (laughs) all of our victories. We wait until funerals or tragedy to do this. No more. Celebrate now. I mean, so, so, so true, Dawn. I just, I can't tell you how much I love that post. So thank you for letting me read it out. Um, I think it's such a brilliant autobiographical post. And I think it's fair to say that Dr. Sears is leading the way with inspiration. So without further ado, let's meet Dr. Dawn Sears. Welcome to the show, Dawn. Thank you, Adam. I love that Dr. Harrison is one of those amazing, imperfect humans that I've been traveling along the path with for the last 18 months. I love what you're doing. I love what you're amplifying. I love the empowerment you're giving to those that are um, feeling like they don't have any power and you're reminding them that they do. So your work is huge. And I am so blessed and honored to be part of your podcast. So congratulations. Let's celebrate that victory. I'm so excited (laughs) that you're making your dreams come true. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, you're right. I am imperfect. And I did kind of like uh, mess up the, the words a little bit in the introduction, but there you go. I'm keeping it in. Um, I, thank you so, so much for agreeing to come on and speak to the show audience. It's such a, a huge honor and privilege. Genuinely, I have been really looking forward to this interview. So okay. let's just start. Yeah. In your own words, um, please, would you tell the audience a bit more about yourself, including what your current work roles are and what leadership positions you currently hold or have held in the past, please? 
Super. So I'm a practicing gastroenterologist. I'm also an associate program director for fellowship program, and I continue to be involved with the medical school. And um, as you noted, I've been recently promoted to professor. So I'm a researcher. I'm a clinician. Um, I'm a hepatologist. I'm a gastroenterologist. So I remove polyps. I get rid of hep C and I get to talk to people about fatty liver disease and alcohol all day long. And um, I've had lots of leadership positions. I've been um, chief of gastroenterology which uh, gastroenterologists are only 13 to 20% uh, women. So the chiefs uh, are very unusual. Um, so uh, to be the only woman in the room is all I've known for the 20 plus years that I've been a physician. So that's nothing different. Um, I've been blessed to be a uh, pretty high up in the leadership realm of some large institutions. Um, I was at all the board of directors meetings for years as the clinic staff organization representative, and I was at the health plan board of directors for several years, um, in addition to being the director of wellness and a million other little titles along the way and program director for the fellowship and, you know, this or that. But what's been fun is the way I got into leadership was just being authentic to who I was and what I was about. And I never had the goal of being a leader. I just hated sodas and I hated seeing what it was doing to my patients and my uh, surrounding people. So I knew that I wanted the sodas out of the hospital. And the only way to do that was to get the leaders on board. Well, the only way to get the leaders on board was for them to understand a healthy lifestyle. And so I knew that I was counseling my patients, whether it was fatty liver disease or reflux or diarrhea, it was always talking about high fructose corn syrup and sodas and what they were bringing into their body. And so I went to the leaders and I picked out the 10 most wanted, all the CEO, CMO types. And I said, listen, you're not going to be healthy. You're not going to be able to do this 10 years from now. Like, what? what do you need? And I'm like, we need to get you healthy. You don't have a meeting. You don't have a surgery. You don't have a patient at 5.30 in the morning. So 5.30 in the morning, we're going to get together. We're going to train for a half marathon. Like, what? Who do you think you are? I'm like, I've never done it either, but let's do it. And then we're going to write down everything you eat and drink. And we're going to um, have you have dates with your wives, all this kind of stuff. So my 10 most wanted went through a six month program with me and a couple others uh, when I was the chair of wellness at my institution. And, you know, together they lost over 200 pounds. They lost diabetes, they lost high blood pressure, and they believed in the cause. And so as a result, we got rid of the fryers in the new hospitals. We got rid of soda machines. We had 50% of our grand rounds meals now be healthy choices with fruits and vegetables. So, so when leadership opportunities came up after that, they all were like, oh, we'll put Dawn in the hat, put Dawn in the hat, put Dawn in the hat, because I showed them that I was a leader who wasn't out there for my ego, wasn't out there for self-promotion. I really had the heart of what I was passionate about and was ready to serve. So my leadership type, which is one of the questions you wanted me to reflect on, is I'm a servant leader and I'm um, a collaborative leader. So that's how my leadership journey has gone. And and. You lead by example, um, and you're you're a coach as well. You're, but you were were you a qualified coach then when you were doing all of this? No, no. no. So you were a natural coach. You were you were coaching them along. Yes, yes. So when I heard about coaching years later, or five years later, I've only known about coaching for about two years. I was like, wait, I've been doing this the whole time. That's motivational interviewing. That's how you get behavior changed is through coaching. 
coaching. I just didn't have the verbiage around it. And then I got certified as an executive coach and I got training through three different organizations to learn three different coaching styles and said, oh, there is magic here. And this is when all the doctors are drowning. We're all dying of burnout. We're all feeling like we have no autonomy, no power. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You still have power. It's just in a way you didn't think. You can't necessarily change policies. You can't change other people's behaviors. You can change your thoughts about the policies. You can change your thoughts about their behaviors. And you can change your thoughts about what is possible for you. And it uh, it broke me free from so much. And I had to uh, share it with the world. And so I had to get yeah. certified. And now I do a bunch of coaching programs. And you and I have been involved with several together. And it is absolute magic. It is. It is. Uh- that, that your story is so it, it you know you literally are the embodiment of the title of the show you're an inspiring women leader and uh i and i just love the way you kind of like you're just so matter of fact about it you just kind of you know you feel like you fell into it but it came from a a mission of i want to you know make the hospital a healthier place and you know it's that irony isn't it that hospitals are supposed to be there to make people better and we're kind of like you know contributing towards their type 2 diabetes and so on at the same time so um Mm -hmm. that that is fantastic now you've you've got so many so many hats um you know you're on so many you know like leadership positions and committees and you know running the fellowship program and um the, the the coaching thing that i mean recent thing about the coaching with you um your vision for the ace conference that you that you ran and it was amazing so maybe a couple of um a couple of examples uh one from more your your kind of medical jobs and then one about the you know the kind of how you're reaching your zenith with things like the ace conference through your coaching leadership perhaps you could tell us about you know a couple of those things right right So I've come to a crossroads in my career where I was doing all the things on all the committees, getting all the emails, all the communication. And I knew I just, I needed to hit the pause button. I couldn't go on like that anymore. So I have downshifted. So now I'm a worker bee and I'm the associate program director. And then I do some well-being stuff for the County Medical Society and things like that. But I've got rid of like 80% of my titles and I am not a lesser human as a result of that. Let me tell you that boys and girls, you do not need all those titles. You do not need all the responsibility. We can just, just be us. And being a doctor it is plenty. It is way more than enough. Well, in addition to that, I do the coaching and for since 2017, I've been doing women leaders in medicine conferences. What happened there is I was seen as a very successful leader um, as a woman leader, which was a unique thing in the southern United States. Um, and people were asking, how did you do it? What's the path? I'm like, there is no path. There is no you know, roadmap for this. Yeah. Um, you make it up as you go. And I said, OK, well, will you mentor my new pulmonologist? Will you mentor my new allergist? Will you mentor my new blah, 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 blah? I'm like, whoa, I've got, you know. 24 doctors on my own. I've got nine APPs. I've got nine fellows. I got three kids at home. I can only do so much. So I had to train my entire group of colleagues to know that they were already ready to be mentors. And they didn't believe me because they said, well, I didn't get certified. There's no test. And they were so hung up on this culture that you and I were talking about. Medic mentality. Conversation. Yeah. (laughs) 
of I need to take yeah. a class. I need to get, yeah. you know. Diplomatosis. Uh, right, right. <laughs> and so I said, no, 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 honey, you do not need to do that. You're, you are so overqualified already. Have you been a doctor for more than a year? Guess what? You're qualified to leave, you know, so many people. And so what we did is we got a group of us. I just called 10 random people. I wanted it to be a diverse group. So I had some older docs and younger docs. I had some surgeons and pathologists, the sweet pediatrician, the burnt out, whatever. We sat around a table. We picked a date. We picked a topic, which was going to be negotiations, which we're horrible at, and impression management. Can you brag on your accomplishments like I just did in my Facebook post that you commented on and do it in a respectful way that you don't feel cheesy? And so I said, okay, let's just pick a date. Let's make it happen. So we did. And um, uh, my secretary called me a couple of weeks later and said, where do you cap it? I was like, what do you mean? Where do we cap it? She's like, well, we already have 60 people signed up. And I thought we'd get like 20 or 30. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. Let's cap it at a hundred. Well, we ended up with 20 people on this waiting list for this thing. Mm-hmm. And this was to take a, a full day off of work to come to this event. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't know what was going to happen, but people were driving from 200 miles away to get together, just to share stories, just to know that they were not alone, that they weren't the only ones who didn't have it figured out. And to be able to talk about the stresses of being a mother, because 60 to 85% of us are mothers at the same time. And then we know that women do, women physicians, even in dual physician families, the woman physician does 8.5 more hours worth of work. We know that from the Jolly publication from 2017, more domestic work than the male partner. And that's just the societal bias is we're the ones who take the the education and the life and the, you know, all the stuff. So um, anywho, it was a raging success and it just happened to be the month that me too came out. And so mm-hmm. as soon as it ended, everybody said, when are you doing it again? I'm like, what do you mean? When am I doing it again? How about you're welcome. Thank you. Something, you know, but they wanted to know <laughs> we need it more. We need it more. So I went ahead and wrote a grant for the physician's foundation, which their goal is to stop burnout. And I already had data because I'm a scientist. So I always collect data. I don't just do anything without pre-assessments, post-assessments and middle assessments. I assess the heck out of everything. So I had robust data to show the board of directors, robust to show the board of trustees, robust to show the well-being committee. Anybody who wanted the data, I was throwing it everywhere. And so I got $150,000. And then we were able to hire a statistician, follow the Maslach burnout index. I was able to expand it to Dallas as well as Central Texas. So we ended up touching 400 physicians and following them longitudinally over the next two years to show that when you do these events every six months and get people in the room to actually share their stories, be heard and be seen, you can impact burnout, retention and engagement. And guess what? That gets HR and the C-suite's attention. And so we had to keep doing it. So I left the institution. And when I did, I said, I can't stop doing this work. I have to continue it on. So I got together with two of my other friends here in Texas, and we put together the Authenticity, Courage, and Empowerment Conference. So it's based off of what I had already done for five years at my former institution, but now we did it um, in a luxury hotel in San Antonio on the river near the Riverwalk, and uh, we invited uh, 21 speakers from around the nation, as opposed to our one or two speakers we used to have when I did it smaller. So I'm continuing the same work because I have to, and it's not 
I have no choice. Yeah. <laughs> and so when, when you look at the responses from the women physicians that attended either the women leaders in medicine, which I was just reviewing today as I was preparing to get together with you, and then reviewing the ACE comments, they say things like, this was life-changing. You gave me breath. You got me seeing that I don't need to leave medicine. You got me seeing that I'm not the only one who happened to figure this out. And um, my whole tagline with my new business of Gut Girl MD is to stop the hemorrhaging of women physicians. We're just too good. We've made too many sacrifices and we need to stop feeling like our only choice is to quit or bail. And I want to show women that they can stay in medicine and that we need them to stay in medicine. And you're doing the same thing with your work. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. <laughs> oh God. I don't, I don't want to say about that. That's, hundreds and hundreds of, of female doctors that you've you've helped and presumably help retain in medicine as well absolutely so I feel yeah. like yeah I can stay in the office and I can remove a polyp and I can cure hep C or if I help four doctors stay in medicine yeah. how many more hundreds and thousands of patients, patients will I be mm. affecting by keeping yeah. their endocrinologist keeping their oncologist keeping their surgeon yeah. So I found that this is a niche that I'm talented at and I can yeah. connect with the other women physicians. Yeah. So, you know, in life, we should only do what only we can do. And if there's somebody yeah. else that can do it, they need to do it. Just like your niche, being a male coach who has international experience and is able to speak with both the genders, you're so unique that you have to do this. This isn't a choice for you. <laughs> and I have to do what I have to do. And it's yeah. not a choice for me either. So yeah. it's pretty exciting when we know our calling we feel our yeah. calling we're passionate about our calling and we follow yeah. it and we're just in the flow and it's a beautiful beautiful yeah. thing yeah you're right it's a it's a true vocation isn't it i saw something on twitter the other day about what's the difference between a vocation and a calling and you know the kind of vocation almost has that kind of like you know job role kind of aspect to it in a way and we always thought medicine as a vocation and you know for me not not so much you know but being called to something else is feels a bit stronger than than vocation but definitely mm -hmm. you you have a calling and and i i just i just love it i love everything you do um mm -hmm. so thank thank you for that so i just i'm quite interested to know if there were any doctors senior to you female or male that helped you rise as they as they climbed sure absolutely yeah we never get there alone um definitely people who saw the uh, future in me who saw that uh, the good drive and passion could be used for good <laughs> and could rein me in and give me opportunities. So there were definitely um, many doctors and leaders along the way who let me know, hey, you, you could be on the board of directors. And to say that yeah. to me in an institution that never had a woman on the board of directors, yeah. um, was a, was a big deal. Um, yeah. So to have those behind me that were the wind beneath my wings, letting me know that all things are possible um, was pretty amazing. And then I knew that I had to do that for everyone I've come across. And yeah. um, I, as a female gastroenterologist, 90% of my fellows were male. So I was always mentoring men and then mm -hmm. um, becoming the, the chair or the chief of gastroenterology, I attracted a lot more females to apply. So I had the opportunity to mentor both. Uh, so I've never been unit unidimensional in that way. But just since 2017, have I really been called to the female aspect? But prior to that, definitely 90% of my mentors and those that I was lifting up were men. Yeah. 
yeah but i mean even though you're you know you're concentrating more on female colleagues you know i i am a, f- a first degree testimony to the fact that you know we we met on a on a group coaching program together and you know i've had your support all along the way and you've promoted me and, and helped me and you're so you're still doing it you're still mentoring and supporting um your, your male colleagues as well um yeah that's, i think yeah fantastic and i guess that you do you feel that your first kind of opportunity with leadership was the was the soda crusade and the people yes. that, that you you kind of <laughs> and, and, yes and to, yeah. to get those 10 guys and one of them literally almost crawled across the table to like wring my neck and he's like <laughs> i'm never gonna run i have never run da, 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 da. anyway he was the 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 chief of, of medicine he was the CEO oh God. of a pediatric <laughs> uh pediatric hospital and so when you interview him five and 10 years later and say, what do you do in your spare time? He's like, I run marathons. I travel the country to run marathons. So I'm like, I started that at you and you almost killed me over it. But then John Boyd became an avid marathon runner and pulled his whole family into it. So it was fabulous. And then some of the other uh doctors, all of them, as a matter of fact, are still work with trainers, still have changed their lives, still are healthy eating. And when I see them, they always want to show, show want to show off their, their waistline. And so yeah. they're very proud of themselves. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So we call that mind, body and activity because we knew if we yeah. called it an MBA, they would sign up for it. So it <laughs> and then the, the funny part also was if you didn't show up for that workout at either 4.30 or 5.30 in the morning, you had to put 20 bucks in the kitty. And these high-level senior leaders did not want to put 20 bucks in the yeah. kitty for each other. So yeah. uh, it's so funny what motivates male behavior when you get a competition going. So anyway, <laughs> it, it was great psychology learning too. But then they, they were all my advocates going forward thereafter yeah. that there was no stopping them because they knew who I was and what I was invested in. Yeah. And so yeah. they definitely helped me out. Every hospital across the world needs a Dr. Dawn Sears. We just need to clone you. Seriously, oh, I, just, I don't know about that. That's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, a bit of uh, yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's been really lovely and positive so far, and I don't want to bring the conversation down, but it it would be good to know from a learning point of view um, if you experienced any um, any challenges along the way. Um, you know, workplace bullying, any discrimination on the basis of your gender, um, harassment any other challenges um, that you had and how you coped with those and managed to move past them and, and yeah, yeah. raging success. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks for bringing up this sensitive topic. It's funny because I was speaking about my women leaders in medicine um, at a national meeting to a bunch of C-level leaders uh, from around the United States. So there was the Cleveland Clinics, the Henry Fords, everybody. And the person who encouraged or invited me to speak about the women leaders in medicine said, uh, well, Dr. Sears, have you ever, ever experienced sexual harassment? And I about spit out my you know, drink. And I'm like, that's like asking me if I've ever breathed before or drove a car. Like, mm. are you are you serious? Like, mm. is that really a question? She said, well, I need you to talk about it at the same time. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I am not touching that with a 10-foot pole. She said, well, if you don't, that's like talking about burnout, but not talking about physician suicide. Like, you have to bring it up. And I said, Mm. oh, man, I've lived it for 20 years. I don't want to bring it up from the stage. Mm. She's like, I need you to. And I said, okay, Mm. fine. So I dove into it. Mm. And so we need to start out with discriminatory behavior is just bad behavior. 
And then gender discrimination gets worse. And then what sexual harassment involves is actually three different things. Sexual coercion, which I've seen uh, seen it in the hospitals, which is disgusting, mm. where the male leader is actually asking for sexual favors from the trainee. Mm. And it still yeah. does occur, believe it or not, because these women come yeah. to me because I'm safe. So that was horrifying. Unwanted sexual attention. Definitely got that. I got that mm. from the minute I walked in the building. So I would hear as a medical student, oh, your name is Dawn. Well, um, do you know another med student named Dust? Because you'd be a great stripper team. Okay, do you want to see the patient in 523 or not? Like, are you kidding me? Did you just say that to me? And then other ones saying, you know, if I was 20 years younger, I'd go for you. And I'm like, anywho, again, should we extubate this patient or not? Mm. And, And then there's gender harassment. And gender harassment is very, very prevalent. And what that is, is verbal or nonverbal behavior that conveys um, objectification, exclusion, hostility, or second-class status due to your gender. And I've mm. definitely had that. Um, I, on my first gastroenterology rotation, I was with two males. Um, they were med students, and I was the resident. And at the end of the, our month together, the attending went to the males, a third year and a fourth year, who were tall white men. And then there's me. And they said, uh, Joe, you did a great job. I'm at esophageal cancer presentation. Ryan, I love the, your discussion on celiac screw. Dawn, I like those dresses you wear. Take care. No. <laughs> my first exposure to what would be my career in gastroenterology. And so I said, Wow. You just told those boys how to treat their female attending. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? This is where I am. And then I'd go to national meetings. By now I'm up and coming. I'm the chief of hepatology. I'm published. I'm doing all these things. I'm on a panel with all male doctors and me. I'm the female doctor. We're all talking about fatty liver disease. We're all talking about hep C, whatever. And then they turn to me at the end of the meeting. They're like, uh, we're going out for drinks. So I guess we'll see you tomorrow. So I don't get to go. I'm a woman. And so the conversations that go on, the collaborations, the talk about research, I am let know I am not included and I'm high risk. And then other parts of those meetings I would go to, again, I'm the only woman in the room in a room with 50 men. And I would make small talk with the person sitting next to me. Oh, do you have kids? Where do you live? Oh, I live in Texas. You're in Cincinnati. Oh, that's great. Da, da, da. And then through the day, we'd be discussing different things. And by the afternoon, they'd get close to me, rub their thigh on my thigh, put their hand on my hand and say, I'd love to have drinks with you tonight. You just showed me a picture of your kids. I just showed you a picture of my kids. I'm in Boston. It is late at night. I don't feel safe. I did not do anything to let you know I was interested. And now I have to find my way back to my hotel room. I don't know you. So if I was at my native hospital, I would have just, you know, given the elbow in the gut. I don't know this guy. I don't know his motivation. And I said, not interested. Go sit at a different place for the remainder of the meeting and then try to scurry out of there looking over my shoulder as I'm walking through the streets of Boston, get back to my hotel room. Then I go to a different breakout the next day and I walk in a room and guess who makes his way to stand right next to me, rub his shoulder against my shoulder and say, you got a pen? Guess what meeting I did not go back to for the next two years. So as a result of this, 
my patients lost. Yeah. I'm a hepatologist yeah. and I did not feel comfortable going to the national hepatology meeting for the next two years. Fast forward five years, guess who shows up following me on Twitter? I literally had to vomit when I saw his name show up on my Twitter following. And I am now almost, you know, a 45 year old woman at the time. And I'm like, why am I getting freaked out? Because I don't know this guy. I don't know his motivation, but there is such a inequity and power that I feel vulnerable. Yeah. And so I tell some of my colleagues and my boss, my friend, I'm like, Hey, remember that guy that I talked about at that grand rounds who did that yeah. thing? Guess who followed me? They're like, where is he? What's his name? What's his handle? I'm like, no, that's not what I need. I just, yeah. I just need you to feel this with me and to acknowledge that yes, once or twice in a, in a parking lot, you may have felt uncomfortable. This is literally every day of a woman's life. We yeah. feel uncomfortable and we feel potentially threatened by any random interaction, just walking into a room can be a threatening environment for us. So just a little bit of empathy. I know it's hard for, for men to completely understand that, but think about that horrible time when you were followed in a garage and imagine that every day. And then we're going to be a little bit on edge. <laughs> we feel that way all the time. And so what I did is I sent a note after I prayed about it for a week, I said, I just, I need to amygdala hijack, calm down. Mm -hmm. And I just need to breathe. I need to pray about it. And I sent him a note. I said, you don't remember meeting you. You don't remember meeting me, but I definitely remember meeting you. And four years ago, a situation happened. I'm linking you to my grand rounds talk and I'd love for you to reflect on it. So an hour later, he sent back, he said, oh, my goodness, I obviously crossed a line with you and um, I'm going to reflect on my behavior. Thank you for sending this to me. So that's what you can do. But it's going to happen. And the world is still pretty bad. Um, even rounding last week, and you know, now I'm about to turn 50, as we discussed, and uh, with two other white male residents that are much taller than me. And the patient looks at them and says, oh, you're my doctor. And I'm like, actually, I'm your doctor. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, nothing's changed, but no. now we're allowed to have the conversations at least where yeah. there's a little teeny tiny less gaslighting. But that's still the main thing that I've been dealing with um, that's most prevalent than the icky stuff. Whew. Wow, I'm I'm sorry, sorry you had to go through all of that uh, crap. I mean, it actually I think it's getting worse. I think I think things are getting worse for women. Actually, I think society is actually going backwards. Um, and uh, there was something on Twitter about a British. Um, she was a trainee surgeon, and it caused a, you know, uh, rightly so, a real furore, um, where one of the things she was describing was her. Um, her attending her male attending standing behind her rubbing his erection against her yeah um and uh she she kind of documented all the things that had had happened to her you know as a trainee um and uh i i i it's i as you know i'm a father of two young girls i only have daughters yeah they're 8 and 5 and already i'm kind of gearing the 8 year old to up to be a, a black belt in karate or something like that, you know, just have something, you know, and she's, she's quite, she's quite interested actually. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just thinking I need to get the timing right. So she doesn't kind of like start it too young and then lose interest. Cause I want, I want my girls to be equipped 
Uh, and that's about all that I can do because I'm not going to be around for, forever, you know, and uh, I'm not going to be there when they're in that parking lot to be able to defend them. And I'm, I'm not a kind of strong person or anything anyway, you know, I probably need to go to martial arts classes with them to be fair, seriously, <laughs> but um, you know, it just, uh, yeah, it, it, and this is why partly why, you know, my motivation for doing, doing this show is, uh, you know, um, I mean, I, and just all the things you've talked about, gosh, I mean, my, my wife's an, as you know, an attending in mm-hmm. maxillofacial surgery, mm-hmm. you know, she gets an, she gets the uh, nurse thing and looking at the male trainees as, as if they're the doctor. And that is so prevalent, isn't mm-hmm. it? So, oh, yeah. so, so prevalent. Oh yeah. oh yeah. If it doesn't um, happen, it's unusual. Yeah. But you know what? Every day's a school day and you've, you've just, you've just educated me on something because I, um, you know, I, uh, I always think, cause you know, I'm a, I'm a very strong ally of women and, uh, and I look, I look at, you know, in your your female only groups you know kind of like like um physician mums groups and things like this are all over the world and my mm-hmm. wife gets some really great you know resources and stuff through them and i'm like oh they are such they're such good groups you get so much information you're so supportive of each other i feel you know i feel a little pang of jealousy that i can't be in them but i know i can't be in them because i'm male right mm-hmm. and i was always thinking oh well, it's it's because well as soon as you let a male into a female group there's going to become some you know toxic masculinity is going to occur you know there's going to be some kind of like um you know attempt to dom- dominate and that kind of stuff and uh, so i totally get it um and it's you know and then i think oh you know maybe there are some male groups where we can share resources and stuff like that but mm-hmm. then i now you say that about you know being at that conference you know where you were very senior and you were one of you know the one female panelist of 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 10 panelists and then they just exclude you and then they go off and then that's when the they talk and they the deals are made and the you know mm-hmm. oh you do do this paper mm-hmm. with me and all of this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and that is something because i don't because i don't behave like that i don't even think yeah. about yeah. stuff like that so that is yeah. really eye opening and thank you for teaching me something um well, yeah and that's exactly many things i don't know but <laughs> And that's exactly the conversations that we have is you're not on the golf course with your other girlfriends that are physicians. You're not going to the bar after seeing patients because you literally 65 to 85% of us have school age children. You're literally running home to make the meals, to go to the PTA, to go to the soccer games. Yes. Some males are doing that too, but the majority of the, 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 the burden falls on the female partner. So this is your time ladies to make it up and to come up with your collaborations, to find each other. And through Twitter, I've been able to have lots of collaborations and actually a couple publications from meeting with other physicians, because that makes up for the lack of the golf course, that it's just not a reality for us to take four hours on a Saturday to go play golf. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's well, it's just so, so it's, well, it's hundreds of years overdue isn't it if not thousands mm-hmm. so well thank you thank you for that so um i knew this was going to be a powerful conversation so uh this is going to be so helpful to to the listener thank you thank you for all of that sure, sure. so um in addition to that excellent advice around you know navigating your way through those challenges do you have any other advice for our listeners on how to become strong and kind leaders 
Oh, yeah. Um, Definitely surround yourself with other strong and kind leaders of all genders. Uh, I was very blessed to have, because being in the South, (laughs) there were only men that I could follow. There weren't women to follow. Um, But picking carefully of who Mm. is going to be in your board of trustees or your board of advisors for your life and having those as people that you respect, people that you appreciate, because the whole world's going to give you an opinion of what they think you should do with your family, your career, your fertility, everything. Uh, The world is very, very opinionated. But if you have those that you would actually go to for advice and that you trust and that you continue to go to them and say, hey, I was given this offer to be on this committee or to lead this thing. What do you think? And having those who actually know your values, your motivation, go, Oh, that sounds amazing, but really, is it the right time for you, Dawn? Or you better take this, Dawn. And having those people in your life that will help you, because the further up you go in leadership, the more and more lonely it is. And especially women leaders, there's the likability factor that drops dramatically. As soon as a woman is in power, we know that she is hated. Uh, yeah. She's seen as a threat. Yeah. She's not appreciated. Yeah. The exact same conversations, the exact same words out of a man's yeah. mouth will be seen with authority and respect. And he's a strong leader. Yeah. There's other words that are used for the exact same words that come out of a female's mouth. Now yeah. she's labeled all kinds of things. And we all know exactly what they are. And we don't need to re- revisit that. Um, but that's just a fact. And we can't change the bias of the entire world. So having your your group that surrounds you, that reminds you, you are exactly the same person you were three years ago before you had these titles. And we still love you for exactly who you are. And you have your grounding in your life outside of the hospital, um, whether it's with family, with clubs, with church, with, you know, whatever you volunteer in, whatever things you're building. And in my world is the women leaders in medicine and to have women all over the nation and all over the world due to coaching um, that have my back and are literally checking in on me on LinkedIn and like, how are things going on? You know, you, you have to be intentional of building your, your group and building yeah. your pod that will support you. So I think that's yeah. one of the most important things I can advise a female who wants to be a strong leader is to build your community because the community is not going to, not going to just appear and you're going to be dis discounted from old communities that you used to be in because yeah. either you're now a woman so you're a threat and you're not invited into the male leader community or you used to be one of us but now you're one of them now you're a suit now you're a leader and now you're no longer safe so you're going to feel a lot of isolation and I want yeah. you to hear there's nothing wrong with you that's just the natural evolution of how this goes and so you have to pull those who you really trust even closer and expand your networks in wild and crazy ways you would have never imagined when i left my institution it was so fun because the internal medicine department threw me a going away party well as we walked in the pediatric podiatrist was there the uh, icu team was there interventional radiology was there the thoracic surgeons were there the psychiatrists were there and the internal medicine folks were like who are all these people I'm like, yes, this is what I've been doing for 20 years here. And then pathology threw me a going away breakfast. Pathology doesn't even throw each other going away breakfasts, (laughs) you know, and they don't talk to each other. But pathology all got together and was like, we should do this for each other. And we're doing it for the gastroenterologists because we all love Dawn. (laughs) 
And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So get out of your wheelhouse, get to know different people in different ways. You never know. Um, well, you do. It's a small world and we can all help each other out. We're all going to have moments where we need each other. So get out of your wheelhouse. Don't just stay in your narrow lane because you're going to need other people because life, yeah. is, life is hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's really amazing advice. Um, yeah. I think sometimes as well, you know, like just just sort of showing up as 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 you and I have within our our circles, yeah. Um serendipity plays a part, you know, and I think like-minded people find one another and you know, like you, you're in my tribe and I hope I'm in your right. tribe. And um it, you know, uh so there's a but yeah, there's the intentionality there is you're you're showing up, isn't it? You're literally putting yourself out there and um, I, I, just something that's kind of like um, uh, popped into my head while you were saying all that, you know, how you said that when you get to leadership, obviously as a woman, you know, the male leaders don't want you in their club and then everyone, you know, who's not a leader, all the other attendings and, and whatever, they will start to eye you with a bit of suspicion. Mm-hmm. So how, uh, how do you manage to kind of keep your female attending colleagues and residents kind of from you know kind of like oh she's changed you know how do you like you you haven't changed yeah they're just they're telling themselves a story because you've become promoted right so how do you you know kind of keep them on on side and show them that you're the same person how do you yeah for me it goes back to my leadership qualities and the way I lead which is servant leadership and that I show up to let them know that I value them I value their unique role and I see them and so taking a group that feels on the fringe whether it is due to being underrepresented groups due to their color their sexual their religion whatever and in some cases their specialty like pathology literally felt nobody understands us. Nobody ever sees us. And I went out of my way to be like, you guys are so valuable. And we didn't even know COVID was about to hit and that the pathologists were going to be the most important people in the building to come up with our rapid COVID testing, you know, yeah. and everybody was relying on, have you got a hold of pathologists? Is it positive? Is it negative? Is it antibodies? What is it? Da, 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 da. Yeah. So even before all that, I was letting them know how much we appreciated them. And yeah. so there's so many unsung heroes that were all feeling beat down and so getting out there and um letting every colleague know i see you i appreciate you i know you feel beat down regardless of their gender or whatever else when you let them know you hear them you know because nobody cares what you know until they know you care and you actually show them you care then they will they will have loyalty to you they will follow you and they will go oh Maybe I shouldn't believe what they told me that she's changed yeah. because she really does care about what I'm struggling with, what I'm fighting for. And she's even sticking her neck out for us to yeah. try to get the resources that we need or whatever is the yeah. issue of the day. Um, and then forming collaborations where you've got no skin in the game, but you go, oh, you guys are working on this. Well, I heard that so-and-so over at that clinic's working on that. Hey, let me send an introductory email and get you guys connected. They're like, oh, she's not in it for herself. Like she's getting nothing out of this, but she's actually putting other people together. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. And then you earn trust, you know, when you show that you're willing to invest your time, your energy into their passions and make their life easier. So it's not hard stuff. It's just stuff. And it's just what you do with your time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and to be a to be a servant lead obviously you you have to do what you're doing which is uh being visible and being accessible and so on i was commenting on a on a post on linkedin tonight about that you know the, the sometimes you know sadly some of the medical leaders when they become very high up they they don't you know have any interest in their in their colleagues and you know um and you never see them once they get into their ivory towers that's it they disappear um but i i love those leaders that walk the wards that go every week to different places meet the cleaners meet the patients meet everyone meet the canteen staff you know all of this um and and they're visible and showing that they're interested you know um, exactly. You know, and it is yeah. hard to be a leader yeah. in healthcare today. It's a totally different beast than it was yeah. 10 years ago. I mean, let's be yeah. honest. It, yeah. It's no longer about patient care. It's about making money and not yeah. closing your doors. So yeah. the pressures that they're feeling are different and they know that the worker bees don't understand that. So the disconnect is real and a lot more padding and insulation between the highest level leaders and the boots on the ground is yeah. intentional. It's sort of, sort of a little bit of self-preservation because it would yeah, take them yeah. too long to explain that to the average pediatrician of what's going on and why they made the decisions that they did. And yeah. so um, I, I understand why they're doing what they're doing. And mm. we have to understand as the worker bees that our job's job is not to make us happy. And our job's job is to do two things is to provide patients for us to see and to provide paychecks and benefits. So if it's providing patients for you to see and is providing benefits and a paycheck, their job is done. The rest yeah. is up to us. We were not hired to make the healthcare system better. We were not hired to find areas of improvement. We can't help ourselves and that's what we do. Mm. But honestly, that's not what we're paid for. And yeah. sometimes we just need to remember that it's okay and it's not take it personally when the institution doesn't support the ideas that we have because they yeah. hired us to do a thing, whether that's to remove a thing or put in a thing, they yeah. not hired us to change a thing and yeah. change always costs money. So when we start talking, it's a threat and they're going to be yeah. like, shh, shh, shh. And it's super hard to not take it personally, but you have to make a decision at that point. Is this yeah. a place that you're going to just chill and be okay with your role? Or are you going to move on to someplace that wants to hear you? Or are you going to build something your own that satisfies that need in you? And you'll, you'll have to decide your needs change. And it's okay yeah. that for what was the perfect institution for the first five years or 10 years might be different for the next 10 years and might be different mm. for the next 10 years. It's okay. Giving I love that. Yeah. Years. I love that viewpoint um, that, uh, yeah, the administration, you know, I, I coach a fair few American mm -hmm. physicians and the administration are, you know, um, generally seen as the enemy, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, uh, but you're right. Um, there, there are that, you know, they do have uh, some extreme challenges of their own, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's room for there's room for empathy on both sides, isn't there? For sure, for sure. So, um, okay, so we're we're coming towards the end. So we have some exciting uh, questions that are a bit more positive now. So, okay. what would be <laughs> what would be your take home leadership messages for our listeners? Yeah, my take home leadership messages would be to build what you see your institution needs. In my case, the women leaders in medicine, it was so obvious we needed it. And there was no program for it, no structure for it. So I just got it grouped together and made it. And I didn't ask anybody's permission. 
And then I found a way to get it funded myself. And I didn't whine about it. I didn't complain about it and say, oh, they should, they should, they should. I'm like, no, I'm going to do, I'm going to be over here doing. And um, so take what you can, do what you can. um, And then don't whine about it. (laughs) We're blessed. We're physicians, man. We get to be in the most sacred ground, the most sacred conversations. It's a real privilege. And don't take that lightly. And then um, the second lesson is community. Build your community, build your tribe, build your group that's going to be there with you the long haul for um, better or for worse. Brilliant, brilliant messages. Thank you. So what, what are you currently excited to be working on that you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah, the ACE conference was huge. Uh, and what where that's going to go in the future, I'm excited about. And the um, I wrote a blueprint on how to start women leaders in medicine programs. So I'm going to look at tweaking that so that it can be used in all industries as well as all healthcare uh, arenas. So more to come on that. Uh, in the meantime, I am still coaching individual physicians um, and individual leaders, executives, nurse practitioners, and PAs. Um, and I do that through the Gut Girl MD Consulting. Um, so I'm excited about the changes post pandemic of what that will be and what opportunities will be available. Um, and then I'm excited to see what we're going to do now that we're having meetings in person, that um, we need to continue to do that. We need to continue to be there for each other, nurture each other, hear each other's stories and amplify each other. So I'm going to keep doing it one way or the other. I just don't know exactly what it'll look like yet. So I'm excited about all those things. Whatever it is, it will definitely be inspiring and exciting and fun. I know that for a fact. Yes, yes, um, yes. So if, if any of our listeners would like to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do so? And I'll make sure all the links are in the show notes, but if you've got a, a favorite couple of ways. Sure, sure. Yeah, you can always find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. I'm gutgirlmd. Um, and you can find me, uh, at, you can email me, Sears at dawnsearsmd.com. And then you can find me uh, at my website, gutgirlmdconsulting.com. So lots of different ways I'm available. And um, just thinking about the ACE conference and some of the fun things we did, we did lettering events. We hired a songwriter to write a song about surviving through the pandemic. Yeah, um, we that. had photos and yeah, it was so therapeutic. And we did a lot of Zumba. We did a lot of dancing. We did some intense uh, weight training in between the usual talks about burnout and suicide and financial and things like that but anyway so that's part of it too whatever you do make it fun add some dance parties in the middle of it you'll never regret it (laughs) i need to i really need to get out of my comfort zone on that one i think (laughs) (laughs) come come and get your colonoscopy with me you'll be hearing 80s music the whole time (laughs) if that's not tempting i don't know what oh my gosh just trying to think of you know kind of like yeah related song titles but yeah i'm yeah. sure <laughs> sure there yeah, must be something looking for yeah there's a lot yeah. Of that's, that's a good one <laughs> brilliant brilliant well um does do you have any closing words you'd like to share with the listeners oh just um 
bullying is happening everywhere. Um, the gaslighting is happening everywhere and it is not in your head. It is real. One of the conversations that I've had with a colleague is Dawn, you've got the same 24 hours in the day. I said, actually, I kind of don't. So we know that from the domestic work thing. And then some recent publications show that women and men in the same practice, women physicians get 26% more patient messages coming into their portal and 24% more staff messages coming in from their portal. So your thought that I have the same 24 hours of the day, but I don't feel like it is actually real because you literally have more work to do and less time to do it. So I just want to encourage everyone out there who's getting gaslit. It's not true. Ask your colleagues, are they experiencing the same thing? They are. Don't let people tell you you're crazy. You're not crazy. You're 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 up against a different panel and it is not a level playing field. But the more we discuss it, the more we can start to level it out or at least add a handicap in there. And I used to not believe in that, but now I'm starting to because it's uh, I've been working at this for over 20 years and I just can't get it quite level. So acknowledging it can go a long, long way. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um yeah, I've always yeah noticed my female colleagues more uh, approachable than my male colleagues and and when you're when you're kind and approachable and and open um it's a double-edged sword isn't it because you can you can serve people you can help people but you know you're, you're fending off the floodgates really from the the demand um mm-hmm. when you've got everything else as you say still have a lion's share of childcare to take care of um as, as well even as a professional you know full-time professional woman so Exactly. Um, We've got to take care of ourselves first. Yeah. We're the only ones that will. So yeah. do it. But amazing that you're you're looking to expand um your uh, your blueprint for um you know kind of coaching women leaders and, and so on into other industries as well. I shall uh yeah, get back to you on that one and, and watch that with interest because hopefully this podcast will be be listened to by people in all industries as well. So hopefully exactly. this will, yeah. Um, people yeah, things are worse in medicine, but they're everywhere. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you again so much for coming on the show and sharing all your wisdom and wonderful advice with us. I've it, I've loved this conversation. I I knew I would, but uh, it's exceeded even my high expectations. So thank you so much. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for your amazing work. And thank you for empowering us all. Uh, It's huge. It's so needed. I wish it wasn't lean needed. I wish you were out of business, but you're not. You have job security, (laughs) my friend. So thank you for being uh, an advocate. I've referred several of my colleagues to you, and I'm going to continue to do that because they, they need to know that they have a voice, they have options, they have power, and you give that back to them. So thank you for what you're doing. Keep up the good work. It's hard work, but it's so needed. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me and my guest on the Inspiring Women Leaders podcast today. I really hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you did, please download the show and leave it a rating and a review so that together we can share the amazing lessons we've learned from my guests with listeners far and wide and help as many aspiring leaders as possible. Most of my podcasts will also be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Dr. Adam, Physician Coach. So please check out my channel there and hopefully you'll find some videos on similar topics to watch and enjoy. Finally, I have some exciting new group coaching programs and a membership scheme in the pipeline. So please keep a regular eye on my website, www.dradamharrison.com 
That's www.dradamhawrison.com for updates. Thank you again for your time today, and please join me next time, two weeks from now, on Alternate Wednesdays, for another brilliant episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Music